Well, it's great to be back to carry on the series of Keep Calm and Carol On. Nigel, every Sunday and Wednesday, has been releasing videos where he just focuses in on a particular and Carol and gives us some backdrop to that Carol and also just some pointers and some thoughts to help us in this season. And on Sundays, we get a little bit more time just to think and consider a particular Carol. And today, we got Heart the Herald Angel Sings. That's one of my favorite carols. And that particular carol is just full of so much detail, so much truth. Years ago, carols and hymns were one of the ways that truth could be conveyed and could be remembered by those who kind of came along to churches. So there's a lot I could look at in this carol, but I'm just going to focus in on one section of the carol. I'm just going to read it to you because you don't want to hear me sing. Take that from me. And this is what it says. Offspring of a virgin womb, veiled in flesh the Godhead see. Held incarnate deity, pleased as man to dwell. Jesus our Emmanuel. And I'd like to focus in today on that aspect of Jesus our Emmanuel. Emmanuel meaning God with us. Emmanuel may be a, a simple, a single word, and yet it contains so much truth and so much power and so much, uh, so many implications for our life. Not just for this season, but every season of our life. It's a principle, this idea of God being with us, that you find throughout Scripture. I first noticed it when I read a book by Richard Foster called Life with God. And he pointed out that as you look at the different characters in the Bible that came from very different backgrounds, social backgrounds, financial backgrounds, young, old, different callings upon their life. But there seemed to be this one consistent kind of theme, phrase that kept coming up again and again, God being with them. So to give you a few examples, looking at um, Abraham's life, reading from the Bible here, Genesis Chapter 26, verse 24. That night, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bless you. I will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant, Abraham. Then you've got Joshua. There's a couple of really well-known verses in Joshua 1. And this one of them is Joshua 1, verse 9 where Joshua has been given the commission to take the people into the promised land, and this is what God says to him. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. They actually got the same kind of verses, um, phrase to the actual people as they were going into the promised land. And you read this in Deuteronomy 31 verse 8. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid or be dismayed. And in case you're wondering if it's just to be found in the Old Testament, you find it in the New Testament, even with Jesus. This is Acts chapter 10, verse 38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. Why? Because God was with him. And then one of the most well-known ones is what's known as the Great Commission. We find it right at the end of Matthew, the book of Matthew about the life of Jesus, Matthew 28. And Jesus tells the disciples, 
that includes us to go and make disciples of all nations. And then at the end it says, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus said he wasn't going to leave us, but he was going to leave the Holy Spirit to be with us. So again, you see, this idea of God being with us seems to be really uh, crucial. Different people, different times, different phrases. But this idea that God has been with us. I don't know about you, but if God said to me, like Abraham, you know, leave your family, um, leave all your possessions, leave everything you know and go. I would maybe want from God, you know, give me a bit of a roadmap, give me some clarity. Where am I going? What's it going to look like? But God didn't give him anything like that. All he gave him was this phrase and this reality that I am going to be with you. And so I think there's something quite key about that that we need to grasp and dive into. You see this reality not just in the stories of the people in the Bible, but you see it sprinkled all across the Bible in various verses. So uh, a well-known one is Psalm 23, a well-known psalm about the Lord being our shepherd. And then in verse 4 it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come from me. Or Isaiah 43 verse 2, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. You will walk through the fire and you will not be burned and the flames shall not consume you. And I don't know what it's like for you in this season, but particularly the last two verses talk about a season where you're in the shadow of death, where things feel like they're overwhelming you. And maybe you're in a season where it feels like that, where there's grief, where there's loss, where there's pain, where you feel like you're being overwhelmed by it, things around you. And that's probably where I feel like I am at this point in time. Or it might be this season is one where it's just full of joy and peace and kind of the Christmas spirit. But in any season, this reality of God being with us needs to be one that is anchored not just in our heads, but in our hearts and in our lives. You see, a concept like Emmanuel, God being with us, what we celebrate at Nativity, what we celebrate for singing a song like Heart the Herald Angels Sing wasn't just there for a good idea or a good theology, but it's a truth. And like all truth in scripture, it's an invitation to enter into the reality of that, to live out of the place of that. So Emmanuel, God being with us, is a truth that we need to live from. And I think there's three key principles, three key principles that will help us live and outwork the reality of that truth firstly it's like a statement probably more than a principle what god is with you what god is with you that might sound a bit strange but is the god that is with us is he the god of the bible is he the god of our own creation of our imagination or or something project onto god jb phillips famously wrote a book called your god is too small he was writing, he said, our concept and understanding of God is too small. We kind of think of somebody that we think is really powerful and really wise, and we just think of God as being a little bit more powerful and a little bit more wise. That might not be what we kind of say with our mouths, but our lives reflect that. Voltaire, the famous philosopher, made this statement. God made us in his image, and we returned the favor. We made God in our image. We made him small. And we need to enlarge our understanding of God. 
Now, I don't know what you've missed in this season, particularly the one we just had of lockdown. I guess I could do like a chat box, write in the box what you've missed. And for some of you, that might be some very difficult, real painful situations that you've had lost. And for some of you, some of the things that you maybe missed in this season are less, you know, the more superficial, frivolous. And um, that's probably the case with my children. One of the things that they've missed in this season is not being able to go to McDonald's. I know you can order in McDonald's, but it's not exactly a Chinese or a curry takeaway. And so my children have enjoyed going to McDonald's. And now, when I take my children to McDonald's, they're the age where a Happy Meal is not good enough. It's not going to fill them up like it used to do when they were smaller. So you're going to go into the menu and you type in the stuff you have to do on screen. And you never inevitably get this question, would you like to supersize it? And they say, yes. And I believe that's a kind of a statement, an invitation to God this morning for each one of us. Do we want to supersize our understanding of who he is? You see, what we think about God and our understanding of God will affect the people that we become. It will affect the amount of faith and expectation and hope and joy and peace that we find flowing into our lives and through our lives. You see the statement, God with us, Emmanuel, will only give us confidence and cause us not to fear if our understanding and concept of God is large enough. When we truly see God as he is and know that he is with us, it would eliminate fear. That's why, again and again in scripture, particularly get that relationship between God saying, I am with you, therefore do not fear, not, do not be dismayed. And at some point when I find that there's fear or I've been dismayed in my life, I know that at some point my God has begun to get smaller. And I need to supersize my understanding of God. So let's do that. Now like when you go to McDonald's and you want to supersize it, there's a cost. You've got to pay a little bit more. There's also cost if we want to supersize our understanding of God. Is It's not that we make God larger. It's we just we begin to see him as more as he truly is. And so we need to contemplate and reflect. And I, I oversee a, a few people overseas. And this is a question I ask them. And sometimes I ask myself. When it comes to this aspect of growing in the understanding of God. Because I know how crucial it is. Firstly, what attribute of God... Is God inviting you to upsize in or grow in? And it could be anything. I remember for years, God was trying to teach me that he's a good, good father. It's generous. Just because it was a concept I found hard to deal with and I had a poverty mentality. Probably in the last year, and particularly since I've had children and I've had more responsibility overseeing people, this idea that God is all-knowing. That he's full of wisdom and understanding. When I've come to the limit of mine and where normally I'd read a book or speak to somebody else and I find a limit to that. It's made me present to the God who has no limit to knowledge and wisdom. So what attribute does God want you to grow in? Understanding to upsize this today. Secondly, what might help you grow in that area? If you were with us last week, I finished off after Jared spoken. And I use Jeremiah 33 verse 3. Ask of me and I will show you deep and unsearchable things you do not know. And this is what we need to do. God, show me more what your wisdom and understanding looks like. Let me live and think from that place. It's my prayer. What does it mean for you?
Secondly, the need for growing in your understanding of God's attributes is become aware of thoughts or lies in your mind that do not align with that truth. It's easy to say God is all powerful, but not live that way. It's easy to say that God is a God who's, who's got more than enough and not live that way. It's easy for me to say God is all wise, all knowing, but not live that way. So let us become people in a church that's always growing in supersizing our understanding of who God is. So what God is with you? Secondly, know that God is with you. It's all well and good to any man, you're God with us. Knowing in our head, but in our lives. You see, we all live our lives in the presence of God. In fact, we can't live our lives without being in the presence of God. It's the psalmist who kind of has that kind of classic phrase in, in the Bible, in the Psalms, you know, he goes, if I go to the highest mountains, to the skies above, if I go to the lowest place, I cannot get away from you. You hem me in. But we need to live from that place. C.S. Lewis, who famously wrote kind of the Narnia stories, he wrote some other books, and one of the less known ones is this, called uh, In the Letters to Malcolm, Chiefly on Prayer. And C.S. Lewis wrote, We may ignore, but we can nowhere invade the presence of God. The world is crowded with him. He walks, ev- walks everything and everywhere incognito. And I love that phrase, the world is crowded with him and he walks everywhere incognito. I've used this illustration before and I use it again because I think it's a great uh, illustration. Hopefully you're familiar with the books, uh, children's books, but you can get kind of adults ones like it. And it's Where's Waldo? If you don't know what Waldo looks like, there's an image of him hopefully coming up. And um, if you read those books on every page, and it is a, a, a sample page, you find Waldo. Again, I could do something in the box, you know, maybe put in the box, where do you think Waldo is? Yeah, get that, um, you know, that laptop or that um, iPad or your phone and bring it close. Where is he? I'm told he's somewhere in the kind of top left corner. I need to check it out somewhere. But if you know the, the, the book, on every page, you find him. Sometimes he's easy to find, sometimes he's not. And that's part of the idea of kind of of finding God in this season, that he is with us. He's in every page of your life. Sometimes he's easy to find than other times. And we'll talk a little bit more about how to find him in a minute. But he's there. Whatever page you're on in this season of your life, he's there. It might be a page that you wish you could just rip out and tear, tear and throw away and it would never exist. Or maybe a page that you're enjoying. In some ways it doesn't matter. God is there in that page. We just need to find him. So often we get preoccupied with our list of things that we need to do. With all the things that are bouncing around in our head that we lose sight of God. So we need to begin to find him. And that kind of relates to my third and last point. We need to connect and work out the reality of God being with us. There's a phrase that's used in books, and it comes from a well-known book called The Practicing the Presence of God. We've got to become aware of God. This idea of maintaining an ongoing conversation, connection with God, no matter what one is doing, is a way of living with a deeper awareness of God, that wherever your life is, whatever your job is, whatever your role is, 
that God is there. And we learn through small pauses in the day, we begin to develop a habit of turning our hearts and our affections and our thoughts to God, letting him break into our lives. So whatever it is we're doing, we become aware of him. So when I talk about practicing the presence of God, I'm not saying to you we need to add something to our life. I don't want you to listen to this talk and think, my life is busy enough as it is. You know, we're challenged about prayer. We're challenged about worship. How am I going to fit this in? Nah, this is just making life and living life in awareness of God. This book called Practicing the Presence of God was written by a person called Brother Lawrence, probably about 400 years ago. And this is what was said about Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence sought to bring God into all of his work, not changing what he did, i.e. not adding something or doing something more, but how he did it, doing everything for God's sake and not for himself, learning to do life. And he was a, a cook and he did a lot of cooking and washing up. But he learned to do that with God. That's what it meant to do, practicing the presence of God. Not something he did on the side when he finished these jobs. It's like, okay, let's give myself to God. No, practicing the presence of God is seeing when your life and the reality of God's life being there, those two worlds manifest themselves at the same time. So how can you begin to do this journey? And in some ways it's, it's a journey, it's a development, it's a habit. I don't know if you can remember when you first started to learn to drive, if you have learned to drive. Maybe it's a few years ago, maybe it's like a few decades ago. But you remember when you first started, it was all clunky, it was hard. I'm trying to teach my, my two daughters, Hannah and Sophie, to drive. And you think you're going to wreck the car, you know, put the clutch in before you change the gear, you know, and you've got the kangaroo jumping and uh, it's all kind of very bitty and awkward. But now, once you learn to drive, it's really easy. You don't have to think about it, it's natural. And it's the same with learning to practice the presence of God and bring the reality of God and becoming more fully aware of God in the everyday life. At first, it feels clunky and hard. And some of the things I will share in a minute, they'll all be clunky, but as you do it more and more, it will become natural. So here's a few things that I do. If I really believe that Emmanuel, God with us, is crucial, and it seems to be from what we read in Scripture, we need to be, live in awareness of that. So I have something called a buzzer. And uh, you can have it on your phone. I have something that sports people do. And I have it go off every 23 minutes. And when it buzzes in my pocket, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. That moment, I just try to, because, and I don't always do this, as I lose the buzzer. Oh, my kids hide it because it makes a noise and buzzes all night. But when it buzzes, just in that moment, I just try to acknowledge God. When I'm driving, when I'm, you know, even speaking, it just buzzes. In my mind, I just go, just love you, God. I just acknowledge him. I pay attention to him. The other thing I do is I use post-its notes. I remember particularly when I was growing this area, it was when I was at university, I was a lecturer. And so I had my lecturing notes. And at the top of every page, I'd write, practice the presence of God. And um, when I turned the page, I would see it at the top because it was in a different colour to the black ink. And at that moment, again, you know, my, the people I was teaching wouldn't be aware of it. But I just gave that time over to God. I would just say, you know, I love you, God. I acknowledge you. I give you this lecture. Now I kind of stick it in my car as soon as I put it on my, my laptop. So when I open it, it's the first thing I do. And I'm just trying to create habits like this where I become fully aware of God in that moment. 
So there's the two things I do just to help me become aware that God is there, remind me. Then the second, third thing is what you do in that moment. And that's beginning just to still yourself. Because your mind can be all buzzing with a whole load of things. And one of the key things to practice in the presence of God is becoming aware of a greater presence, a greater reality than that which is buzzing around your head. And just becoming still. I'm just going to share a few things. I don't have time to give, to kind of give you many uh, tools, but there are a lot of tools out there. One of them is just called um, a breathing prayer or a centering prayer. And this is just when you begin to focus on Jesus. So a breath prayer is when you take a deep inhale and exhale. So just try that now. Feel your chest rise and go down and breathe out slowly. I think they say you can do like eight seconds breathing in and out. But don't worry if you can't do eight seconds. And as you do that, just maybe just say a prayer as you breathe in. Maybe just say Abba. I belong to you. Or I love you, Jesus. And just begin to get still. Begin to become aware of him in that moment. He's here right now. Wherever you are, he's there. And then the next thing is just beginning throughout the day to do that. Through the buzzer, through post-it notes, be still, acknowledge him, become aware of him, invite him into your day. Maybe for you, every time you write an email, just offer up a kind of 10, 15 second prayer. Or before you read the news or whatever it may be, do that. Now you might go for long periods of the day when you don't do that. And that's okay, then just give that over to God. But one of my aims has been like this quote from John Altberg. Yeah, he threw out this challenge and I've been trying to do this for the last few weeks. How many moments of my life today can I fill with a conscious awareness of and surrender to God's presence? Practicing the presence of God so that we become aware of Emmanuel, God with us. And as we come to Christmas, we're talking about God being with us in human form. Now, he might not be with us in human form now here, but he's still here. If only we rearrange our lives to become aware of him and to allow him to manifest himself in our lives. And we need that. You see, in Jesus is all the peace, all the joy, all the hope, all the wisdom, all the strength that we need for this season. And through practicing the presence of God, through acknowledging him, and opening our lives to him and inviting him into our lives so we become fully aware of him and fully alive in him, it changes everything. So let's go on that journey. It might be clunky at first, like learning to drive a car, but bit by bit it will become more and more natural. I'm just going to pray. God, I thank you that you are with us. The God of the universe that made everything is with us now. The God who has all the wisdom and insight we need for any situation we face in this season. The God who has the hope and the joy that we need in times, Lord, when we feel overwhelmed, when we feel broken, when we feel like we're crushed. You are here. And we welcome you in this moment. We acknowledge you in this moment. And I pray, Lord, it won't just be this moment. But Lord, we live, learn to live our lives constantly looking to you, acknowledging you, becoming fully alive to you. Amen.